next episode of the Brunton Bugle, the podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Car United Football Club. From Mally Poskett to Andy Priest and Lloyd Eiston to Jabbo Abire, we've got it covered. This is episode 32 and today we're going to be um, doing something a little bit different obviously because there's still no football to talk about. So we're going to be doing our half season review looking at how United have done so far, how other League 2 clubs are getting on and taking a look at our predictions, how our predictions we made in pre-season have uh, stacked up so far. The answer to that is not very well having just looked at them before. Um, as well as that we'll be doing the usual news update and looking at what ex-United players have been getting up to and on this episode I'm not just joined by one of my co-hosts, I'm joined by two of them. Dan McLennan and Mike Booth. Lads, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. Cheers. Yeah, not bad. I feel a little bit lost with no <laughs> football going on, but you know. It's tough, isn't it, really? It's, 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 you've got into such a routine of Saturday, you know, setting up the laptop connected to my TV, watching the game on iFollow, <laughs> and it doesn't feel quite the same when you have to do uh, jobs around the house, does it, really? So there you no, go. No, not really. Um, can you guess the link between the uh, four players there? Uh, did the they all play for Carlisle? <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, no, they're all forward. Yes, Dan, you're right there. But um, but the, the link is they all scored on their debuts for Cal United. Oh. There you go. Uh, Lloyd Eiston was from Workington as well, wasn't he? He was, yeah. I seem to remember he was, yeah. But yeah, yeah, they all scored on their debuts. Um, memorably, Preces was that game we won against Torquay, wasn't it? After that long run without a win, he made a big difference with that day. There you go. Um, well, we've got a bit to get on with today, so let's get straight into it. We're going to do a little quiz as well. We've also got um, a little um, competition at the end, a chance to win a Cal United bobble hat that we've got to give away. So we'll, we'll drop that one in later. Um, so straight into the news roundup. Um, and it's two new signings for United, isn't it, lads? So... Uh, um, obviously, the United squad are still all in isolation. They get ready to return to action next week. But head coach Chris Beach and director of football David Holdsworth have still been busy and they've made two new additions to the United squad. I mean, the first one, this is one we expected, isn't it? Um, Chedwin, is it Chedwin, Sedwin, Kedwin? I've still not worked I, I, out. How I've said it. Sedwin, to be honest. But Yeah, yeah. I, I will Reese Bennett said Sedwin uh, yesterday on his uh, live stream, which we'll go on about in a minute. But uh, I've also heard a couple of people say Kedwin, but I'm sure it's Chedwin, having looked it up. So one of those ones I'm sure we'll find out. We'll, we'll trust whatever James Phillips does when he does his commentary uh, first time. Um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, see, let's say Kedwin anyway. So Kedwin Scott has uh, signed a permanent deal with the club to the end of the season after a successful <laughs> extended trial spell from Hebburn Town. Uh, the league, uh, the deal United... Uh, have agreed we'll see United play the Northern League side in a first team pre-season friendly next summer that should be a fun day that shouldn't have done yeah I, I love I love uh, friendlies in the North East uh, in the late 90s sort of early 2000s we, we used to play 
various teams in the northeast quite regularly, likes of Ashington, Towler, Whitley Bay, Durham, Newcastle Blue Star was it, I think as yeah, well. Yeah, good good little days out usually. Blythe Spartans, we well we went to Blythe Spartans a few years ago, didn't we? And uh, when Kill was there, I think me and you drove over. Yeah. I think yeah. Bishop Auckland as well, not so long ago, didn't we? Yeah, Bishop Auckland's another one. I mean, I, I've always said this, I don't get why we don't play Spenny more, because they're National League North level, aren't they now? And, Decent well, you, but you could say you could say the same about the likes of South Shields and Morpeth Town who were up, yeah. up and coming, you know. Yeah, I think the, the Ben McKenna plays for Spennymore these days, I think. Uh, interesting one, that one. Um, yeah, so we'll see Chedwin signed to the summer. Seems a good signing, doesn't it? A lot of positive talk about him. and he, He's a manager at his old club, is really raving about how well he's done and how proud they have, you know, you know the fact that he signed for a football league club and seemed quite grateful as well the way the club's handled things. Yeah, um, I, I was uh, sorry. I, I was reading last night uh, the interview with him, and he he actually he used to be do a bit of scouting and a bit of youth stuff for Newcastle, the Hebben manager. And I think it was him that maybe made a phone call getting Newcastle to, you know, this guy's worth a look. And Newcastle basically said if he was eighteen, nineteen, they would probably have took the chance on him. Yeah, and they just don't think he'll maybe make Premier League level. But as I said on the forum back when it was announced he was coming, you know, while he may be not be Premier League level, there's no reason why he can't be League Two or League One level. Well, the thing is as well, you see the way that it's been mentioned. But you know how Jamie Vardy did, and how he managed mm. to shoot up very late in his, well, fairly late in his career, compared against most players. You know, there's always a chance. You know, if you've got the ability, and he looking at some of his goals, he's just a natural goal scorer, isn't he? Um, yeah, he, he seems pretty strong as well um, from looking at his goals, uh, which, you know, coming up through non-league and having plumbers kicking the crap out of you and stuff, you know, he's <laughs> obviously sort of hardened to it as opposed to some of these lads that you get from under-23 teams who go down like a feather. Yeah, and you can always see that basically fans of other clubs can, can you know, fans of the clubs the player comes from can have to be quite biased and say how brilliant he is. But actually, I've seen a few posts from fans of other non-league clubs he's played against, and they've always said he's the one who stood out every time they've you know played against him recently. Mm. So, good addition by looks of things, another player to add to the attacking options. Um, also added to the options is in defence. Uh, defender Morgan Feeney has signed on a permanent contract, um, basically until the summer. Um, he's a product of the Everton Academy. He was capped up to under 18 level for England. I think a lot of big things were expected of him at Goodison Park, but unfortunately he picked up a few injuries and he struggled to sort of make an impact after that. He had a loan spell at Tramway. I think he only played one game and possibly got injured for them as well. Um, joining Sunderland in the summer, it's not just not worked out, as obviously with Phil Parkinson leaving as well. New managers clearly want a fresh slate and has given them a chance to move on and get more regular football and he seems like a good addition for what Beach is saying. It sounds like one of those ones where Basically, he signed a deal to the summer because he might fancy himself to play a bit higher and possibly he's given a chance to show, you know, what he can do for us and earn a better deal elsewhere, but also be a useful position, potentially longer for us. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think his CV reads similar to quite a few of Beach's signings. You know, like sort of thought of well as a young player and things haven't worked out for whatever reason and you sort of give him a chance here and... A lot of Beecher's signings so far have grabbed it with both hands and hopefully he's one who does that as well. I would also like to think, I mean, let's be honest, I think he's above League Two, but if he does come in with us, gets a bit of uh, fitness and we do go up, 
you know, who's to say that, you know, Bennett might not be here next season. He might get offered big money somewhere. Hayden you know, might be gone as well, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a chance he could play for us at League One and there's no reason why we couldn't have another another crack next season. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Well, that's the signings out of the way. Um, just a couple of little bits of news that have broken uh, this morning, actually, haven't they? Um, so two of those games that were called off, one obviously due to the floodlight failure at Harrogate and one due to the uh, COVID outbreak. In fact, no, sorry, it was the um, the pitch, wasn't it? I think the the Orient game. Um, yeah. Those two games are being rearranged now. So, um, so the Orient game's taking place on the 9th of February, I believe. Yeah, interesting. Six thirty kickoff. Yeah, six thirty. It's a huge one. I suppose it's a long trip back, isn't it? To yeah, to London, yeah. so I can sort of grasp that. Um, the Harrogate game takes place a week later on the. Uh, is that on the? 16th, is it? 16th. 16th, yeah. yep. And that's a seven o'clock kickoff. Third time, yeah. lucky. Hopefully, that game will finally get played, but we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, there's there's two of the games arranged. So we've got some some other free dates now. So you can probably I've work out where some the, of those uh, games are happen. The rearranged fixture list in front of, in front of me, and mm-hmm. the only current spare midweeks we have second of February, the, is it? The second of February, which might not get used just with a short notice. Uh, 16th and 23rd of March, then the 13th and 27th of April, and they try not to use the last midweek of the season, do they? Which is but the 4th of May. They've surely got to use that 2nd of February one because there's a risk that there's going to be more games called off, and they've just got to get the yeah, games played. Yeah, so. I suppose it depends if uh, Mansfield and Forest Green are playing. I'm just uh, having a look. Hmm. Now see what uh, I don't think anyone is. I, I had a good look, and there didn't seem to be anybody playing. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it depends on who's had matches rearranged where already. No, yeah. both seem available. There's three games that night, and none of them feature. So, in one of those two may slot in there. But what, whatever happens, it, it's going to be an incredible run of fixtures, isn't it? Oh, it's going to be a really tough, really tough. Mm. Um, before we go on to, uh, we've got a little quiz to do in a minute, but before we go on to that, um, I'm going to give a big big shout out to Reese Bennett and his uh, charity stream he did on Twitch the other day. I think it's fair to say us three are not really down with the kids, are we? So uh, Twitch is not something we frequent that often. I don't know about uh, you guys. Um, no, but- no. But I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure your lad does. Done. <laughs> You'll watch the the Fortnite streamers on there, I guess. Um, but no, it's fantastic, wasn't it? He he sat there for twelve hours playing on a FIFA and Fortnite and I think a bit of Football Manager as well. And he's raised over three thousand pounds, hasn't he? For mind, fantastic. It was uh, mm. it was quite funny when he uh, he actually went off screen to pop his suit on to uh, announce the signings yesterday. So, I thought that was a brilliant touch. That I yeah, really did enjoy funny. that. But yeah, uh, he seems a great character, and it's great to see all the. A lot of members of the squad donating prizes and things like that, shirts and boots to give away as part of the uh, fundraising efforts. And it, it just seems like we've just got a really good bunch of lads this season, doesn't it? And, mm. you know, people you're genuinely likeable playing for us. And I've, I think last couple of seasons, you maybe didn't get that feeling entirely with the whole squad. So it's just a really good thing to see. Um, okay, well, let's move on then. We're going to play a little bit of a quiz now. So as this is a rare occasion where you have all three hosts at once, I've decided it's a chance for us to have this bit of fun. Um, now, the game we're going to play is essentially one I've borrowed slash robbed from the excellent Football Ramble podcast. If you haven't subscribed to that, I would highly recommend giving it a go because it's a, it's a really great list and really funny. And Carl, I'll do get a mention occasionally, usually when I've emailed in and asked something about it, but there you go. Um, 
Yeah, and basically they have this competition once a week called Luke's Game. Now, in this, two of the presenters take on each other in a competition to try and guess as many clubs as possible that a particular player has played for. We're going to do this with Mike and Dan, but the twist obviously here is that they will be ex-Carlisle players. Um, And I want to know the other clubs that the players have played for other than Carlisle. What I'll do is I'll tell you the number they've played for and then each of you will take turns bidding to say how many you reckon you can guess. So if I said a player, a random player who played maybe for 12 of the clubs other than Carlisle, you then, Mike, would say, maybe say, well, I think I can probably guess three of them. And then Dan will say, well, actually, I can guess four. Then you can either say, well, I'll guess five. But if Dan then goes, well, I can't name more than five, go and then name them. You then have to try and name them without getting any wrong. Um, A few rules. Um, So obviously you take turns in terms of making bids until one player challenges the other. Countries don't count. So international appearances, we're not counting them. Only professional... There wouldn't be be many of them, to be fair. No, there wouldn't, to be fair. There wouldn't. Uh, Only professional clubs count and not B teams as well. So... For example, I think Zigo Ronaldo's play for a B team abroad. That B team wouldn't count. Um, he's not one of the ones, by the way. Just, just an example there. Um, and they have to have made a senior appearance for the club. So, for example, Blackburn wouldn't count for Peter Murphy as he never made a first team appearance for them. So, there you go. That is another one. So, we're going to start on Alphabet Claude here. Uh, let's see, which player have I... I've randomly selected these ones. Totally at random. Um... So first up, we're going to go with a fairly recent one. We're going to go with Michael Rains. Michael Rains Ooh. has played for seven clubs other than Carlisle. So how many do you reckon you can name that Michael Rains has played for, Dan? Oh, Michael Rains, let me think. Uh... No cheating, by the way. I should say to both oh, of you. I'm, I hope, I'm, hope I'm going to go with, I'll say <laughs> five. Oh, we're going to go five. That's big. Yeah. Mike, are you going to go for six or are you going to make him name them? I honestly, yeah, he'll have to name them. I think I, I can only get two or three. So, Oh, here we go. Right. Just give me a second, Dan, because I've got some sound effects here ready for when you uh, get them right and stuff. I've, this is a proper professional job I've done here. So let's. You're living the dream here as quiz master. Oh, this is like, I, I, you know what? I, when I used to work at the student union bar at uni, I used to do the weekly quiz. So this is basically taking me back in the day. There you go. So, uh Right, okay, Dan. So you, one you're at not a time. Alexander Armstrong yet, pal? Not, not quite. Yet, no. <laughs> not even Richard Osman. But there you go. Um, right. So one at a time, Dan. Take your time on these. I want you to name. Is it five clubs? You said, didn't you? So I said five. Five, yeah. five clubs other than Carlisle United that he's played right. for. Okay. His club before us was Mansfield, <laughs> and right. when he left us, he went to Crew. That's two. And then he went on to Hartlepool. Right. Now, I'm fairly sure he started his career at Stockport. There you go. You've only got one more to get and there's a three possible options. And I think he played for Oxford at some point. There you go. All, f- all oh. five. Well done. There's, that's one nil to Dan then. Who, who was it seven you said he played for? Seven he played for. Do you reckon i try and guess at the others? If obviously this doesn't affect the fact that you've won it or anything. I think it was Mansfield, one of them. Mansfield was one of them, yeah. Yeah, I said them. Oh, sorry, you said Mansfield. I do. Yeah. <laughs> the other uh, two. No, I can't think of the other two. Scunthorpe and Rotherham United were the other two you played for. So there you go. Right, up next, Mike, you're going to be the first one to uh, have a go at this one. Um, another player who's played for us fairly recently, one that we've mentioned countless times this season on the podcast. Can you guess who it is? 
Jamie Devitt. It is Jamie Devitt, indeed. Jamie Devitt, other than Carlisle, has played for 12 other clubs. Oof. He's had a lot of loan spells, let's put it that way. Um, yeah. So, Jamie Devitt, 12 clubs. How many do you reckon, Mike? Um, oh, you see, I'm not... I don't think he actually played for the club that he left us for. So, I'm going to... I'll go for four. Four, okay. Yeah. Low bid. Dan, do you want to challenge that with five or higher? I reckon I could get to at least six. Ooh. Six. Because I'll, I'll admit, when he moved to Barrow the other day, I did look on his uh, Wikipedia and just counted oh. up how many clubs uh. he played for. I can't remember <laughs> them all. I can't what? remember them all, certainly, I, but I, I just I remember some of them. It is actually 11 clubs because I did put in the club that you're, you're thinking of, uh, Mike, that he left us for and didn't actually play for. So it is 11 clubs. I should correct myself there. So 11 clubs. So Dan's going for six. Mike, are you going to go for seven or are you going to let him have a go at it? Yeah, I'll let him have a go at that. Ooh, you could be 2-0 down here. That's a risky, risky game. So so Dan, one at a time. Tell me right. who has David Devitt played you, for. Using the formula from last time, we signed him for Morecambe. Yep. He's been on loan since after he left because we're not counting Blackpool. He's been to Bradford. Yep. And Newport. That's three. You said six, didn't you, that you could get? So. Yeah. He started out at Hull City. But did he play a game for them? Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> he played a game for them. <laughs> and I know he had loans at Grimsby. And I'm sure he was at Accrington at some point. There you go. 2 0 oh, to Dan. It's good too good. That. Too good for this. This is the worst game to play against him, Mike. I'm, I'm, I do apologise for <laughs> yeah. that. So, so basically, you're right there. He started his career at Hull City, then he had a loan spell at Darlington, a loan spell at Shrewsbury Town, then one at Grimsby, one at Bradford City. First time round, he's played for Bradford twice on loan. Uh, Accrington Stanley. Rotherham United. He only played one game for Rotherham there, so that's interesting on that one. Uh, Grimsby Town on loan. Then he went to Chesterfield permanently. Had a loan at Morecambe before signing permanently for them. Then he joined us. Then obviously he went to Blackpool, didn't play a game for them though, so that didn't count. And obviously Bradford in Newport, and now he's joined Barrow. Still hasn't played for them yet. So so well done, Dan. That's a uh, 2-0. Chance to wrap it up though here. So what's up next? I'm going to leave one of them, because one of them I know you're going to be good at, Dan, so I can't possibly <laughs> give you that one. Uh Next you're, up, you're this, not saying Abastato, are you? Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's one. Of, it's one of your. It might be one of your favourite players. Eh? We'll, we'll wait and see, though. Um, next up, Francois Zoko. Nine clubs he's played for. Ooh, over the this nuts. is a good one. This is a tough one because there's a couple. There's a few foreign ones in there, and they are professional, so I've double checked on them. But uh, nine clubs. How, how many are you going for, Dan? Ooh. Ooh. I can think of one, two, three. I can think of four, I think. Four. Low starting bid. What, what are you going to go for, Mike? I think you might have to go for five here because you can't possibly let him get away with this one easily. <sighs> See, I was trying to think in my head then and I can only think of three. But do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it because there's, there's a little niggling thing in my head of one of the foreign clubs. And if I'm right, then that's great. But if not, then I look like an idiot. So. <laughs> Dan, are you, are you going to challenge him or are you going to let him have a go this time? I'll let him have a go this time. Oh, and then I'll, I'll step in with some <laughs> if he doesn't say some of the ones yeah. I think of. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mike, uh, so clubs that Francois Zoko has played for other than Carlisle. 
You got five um, to get, haven't you? Well, Yeovil-town. Correct. Um, Notts County. Correct. Um, now, was he at Stevenage? Okay. There you go. Um, you got that one right. Uh, and I think the foreign one. I think he played in Belgium, and I want to say Ghent. You going for Ghent, are you? Yeah. Ah, <coughs> uh, oh, Mike. I can't believe <laughs> you've blown it. You've lost. The yeah. club he was at prior to us was Belgian, and I'm fairly sure it was Ostend. Don't tell me it was Genk. Oh, it okay. Ostend. He was Ostend. <laughs> yeah. You're correct there, Dan. That was correct. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So so basically, he started his career in Nancy. I was in, just going to France. say, I'm sure he started at Nancy as well. It's one of the ones you, you, it's always, you confuse whether it's Nantes or Nancy, but it's Nancy. Like <laughs> he then played for Laval, who were also in France. Um, had a spell at Mons. Went to Hasatep Sport Clube, so it's in Turkey. I was going to say them as well. <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> so Ustend was next. Uh, then obviously came to us. A spell at Notts County. Stevenage Blackpool he was at as well. You missed that uh, one. He had a, he had a short uh, loan yeah, spell from yeah. Blackpool at Bradford City. Yeovil Town was his last professional club. Since then, he's played for Grantham Town and Newark, but they obviously don't count because they're not professional clubs. Um, right, so that's three. No, so Dan's won, but we'll, we'll do the last two for a bit of fun anyway. Um, okay, first up, I'm going to leave the best one to last, I think, anyway. We've got another player who's played a bit abroad. It's Vincent Pericard. Vincent Pericard, 10 clubs oh. other than Carlisle. Most ten? of the clubs haven't oh. been abroad, to be fair, but... He's had a few loan spells as well, similar to to others. But yeah, so 10 clubs. Dan, what are you going to start with on this one? No, sorry, it's uh, Mike first, isn't it? Mike, Mike, you're first. Um, see, oh, I think I can think of four. Uh, yeah, I think I can only think of four. Okay, four. What are you going to go for, Dan? I think... I I think I'm a four as well, to be quite honest. Mm. So Mike's gonna have to have a go then. Um, well, oh. Juventus. Oh, one second. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. He's right. Uh, um, one one Champions League appearance, I think, for them, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, thingy. Um, Portsmouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Swindon Town. And I want to say Stoke. It's correct. Well done, Mike. You've got yourself on the score, but there's a consolation for you. Um, he started his career at Santa Tien, and he actually played twice for them. And he went to Juventus, played that one Champions League game, had his loan spell at Portsmouth before signing permanently for them. From Portsmouth, he had loan spells at Sheffield United and Plymouth Argyle. He then went to Stoke City permanently, had loan spells at Southampton and Millwall before joining us for a short spell. Then he went to Swindon Town, and then he went to Haven and Waterlooville. Now, Haven and Waterlooville are professional sound. I, I would have. They would, I have would they would have counted because they are ah, professional. Okay. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's a complicated one because some non-league clubs are professional. So you've, it's not always a case of a, yeah, yeah. whether they are or not. So there you go. You're so, you. I know a bit of a tease. <laughs> there you go. Last one up, uh, Dan. You're going to get to go first here as well. I'm sure you're going to be delighted with this one. It's your hero, of mine, goal-scoring legend, Ian Stevens. Oh, eight clubs, eight clubs other than Carlisle. He's played for because he's played for a lot of clubs twice, hasn't he? So, yeah, <laughs> so that's why it complicates things. So, eight clubs Ian Stephen has played for professional clubs. 
How many can you name? Uh, one, two, three. I'm going to say six, but the sixth one is risky. And I'll Ooh. tell you why when I say it, if I say it. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mike, what are you going to go for? I, I can only get like two, so <laughs> Dan, okay. t- the floor is yours. Right, come on then, Dan. Let's see if you can right. make it 4-1. When, when he started out, he played a lot of football in Lancashire. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he started that, at Preston. He started at Preston, yes. So Yeah. Don't go for the risky one until later on, I think. We'll leave, no, leave no, the risky last. one's last. The risky yes. one's last okay. from okay. memory. Uh, so he played for Preston, and he definitely played for Bolton. Yeah. And for Berry. That's free. We signed him from Shrewsbury for memory. Correct. And he went to Wrexham after he left us. Yeah. Then he came back here. Yeah. And I think he went to Shrewsbury again, didn't he, for yeah, us? Yeah, he did, he did, yeah. But I'm also sure, and I think they were professional at this time, he played a, at least a season at Gretna. Oh, is it right? Is it right? Dan McLennan, 4-1 winner. The buzz is back. We're all excited. <laughs> I'll prove there's only one United. The world is watching this football team because I don't say what I don't mean. There you go. You get that. You get a little play of that to celebrate your winning there, Dan. Um, <laughs> oh, well, that, that went well. <laughs> Better than I thought it would do, but there you go. So that's, that's just a little bit of fun. Everyone can play a lot. I hope you all played along at home. We'll, we'll try and do that again next time we've got all uh, three of us on the show. Um, okay, so that's the, that's the quiz out of the way. Let's get on to the proper stuff now. So, um... So the halfway season review. So obviously we had no game again this weekend due to the COVID outbreak in the United squad. Once again, uh, going to be doing something a little bit different. What we're going to do is we're going to look back at the first half of the season. Yes, I know that there's still two games short for United, but most teams have pretty much reached the 23 point. Uh, 23 yeah, we, well, when, when we were now. discussing this, we sort of said that it's, it, you know, it's got to be impossible for every team to be on the same number of games this season, isn't it? So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see, uh, and we're going to see how United have done, which players have excelled, which haven't, and where the team is doing well, but where it can improve, if it's possible for this team to improve right now. There you go. Um, so we'll also have a quick look at the rest of League 2, how they've got on, and look back at the transfer activity of the other League 2 clubs at the moment. So, season so far for United. So, first up, lads, uh, <laughs> seems an obvious one to say, but generally, how has the team done? And what, so, what do we think they've done well? What can they improve on? Um, so first up, down with the, you with this one. So, basically, how have we done so far? I mean, it's not really much to complain about, is there? Not too bad, have we? <laughs> no, it's yeah, all right. No, uh, I'd, I'd say, to be honest, we're probably doing better than just about everyone expected. And the one thing that you can say is we deserve to be up there. Yeah. You know, with the games we've watched. <laughs> There's, there's not been many games where we haven't really produced, you know, off, off the top of my... Obviously, the first game at Cambridge were atrocious and we had a bit of an off night against uh, Tranmere down at theirs, but in general, we've we've been pretty solid all season, haven't we? I think maybe the only one you can pick out maybe would be the Cheltenham game at home, but that was one of those ones where they just did a number yes, and yeah. they, they put in a decent performance. But like I said, bar that, I mean, for a screen away, we lost that game, but... 
you know, that was a very even game, which is a scrappy goal that won it for them, wasn't it, in pretty awful conditions. So, you know, it's one of, I agree with you. It's one of those ones where you look back and you, bar that Cambridge game, you can't pick out any stinkers, really, from the performances. I don't know what you think, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you sort of touched on that Forest Green then, game then, and there's been quite a few of the games where we drop points have been like that, where you just sort of think, oh, if Gimme Torre had scored that chance and, you know, like, could have been a different game and there's, there's a few games that would drop points that are exactly like that and you just such fine margins and at the end of the day I mean I think statistically we have created the most chances in the league and we've yeah. conceded the least shots on target in the league so if you're doing that weekly you're gonna win most of the time yeah we've got some stats to come actually Fox Analytics so off Twitter's provided us a few especially for this episode thank you very much to, to the to them um yeah it, it's <laughs> It's hard to to pick out what we can improve on, really, isn't it? In terms of the team generally, I mean, the the way we play football, like I said, we're top in so many statistics. It, it's really hard to come. Up. The argument is maybe we could have done with maybe one more player excelling in terms of scoring goals, because obviously we've had Mellish and went on his run, but in terms of attack, we haven't. But they share the goals around so much; it's not really a massive problem, is it? It reminds me of the second promotion of the 90s. Yeah, uh, exactly that. The 96-97 team, the goals were spread round. Uh, I think going Archdeacon at left wing-back was the top scorer that season. Yeah, I think maybe Smart um, got a few as well, but he, he yeah, just Peacock, got into double figures. Peacock got a, got a few, and the midfielders all chipped in. It, it's, it's quite reminiscent of that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting the way that, that that's worked, and I, I think it's helped having giving their manager a chance to, to mould his own squad in the summer and giving him a bit more freedom on contracts compared against what Presley got the summer mm. before. Presley being... I'm not, I'm not coming out and saying Presley would have done exactly what Beach has done. He, he clearly wouldn't have done in terms of success. But Presley didn't... Presley's basically almost been the fall guy in this in that he's had to take the hit on us getting the finances back in order and having these smaller contracts where we can let players go if they are duff, and turns out a lot of them were. Um, whereas, because the, b- the books are much better balanced now, we, we had a bit more freedom to offer better deals to players and maybe getting some of those younger players on longer deals. And, it, and it's worked out really well for us in terms of the players we've been able to get, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, quite quite a few of the key players this season that were signed last January. You know, they weren't signed in the summer. Your likes of Callum Guy, Patrick, Alessandra, you know, they were all uh, like January signings last year, yeah. weren't they? But, the difference is where you get someone like Anderton and Callum Guy, you've been able to, and Patrick, you've been able to get them on 18-month deals. So, yeah, it's not, technically not a two-year deal, but it near enough is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and you, know, you know, that's far more attractive to a player. If you're only offering out one-year deals, you're not going to be attracting the best players are and, and don't don't forget the famous whiff option that nearly every deal we do seems to have now <laughs> yeah but when it's when it's two years with an option you're protecting yourself a lot better aren't you in terms yeah, of definitely, I mean, you look definitely. at the players we've got who are out of contract this summer the vast majority of them have got an option there where we can extend it so actually we're in a decent and, position and regarding those options david holdsworth has said several times that that in the club's favour, whereas in in the past it tended to be if a player hits, say, 25, 30 games, they would get an automatic extra year. Ours, you get the impression that ours are basically, well, we'll decide if we want to keep you, and if we do, you're staying, end of, you've agreed yeah. to it. It's interesting as well, reading his interview today, he was talking about that uh, with John Coleman, News and Star, and the suggestion seems to be, 
there's a lot of sort of rewards in there for them as well if we get promoted. So if we get promoted, obviously the contract gets extended, but they also obviously get the wage rises and things like that to justify the fact they'll be playing at a higher level. So it, it, we're in a good position, aren't we? Whatever happens, I think, this season, even if we if we did have a drop-off and end up just in the playoffs and not going up, we're in a position where we can still mould a decent squad for next season, whatever league we're going to be in. But, you know, yeah. touch wood. We're going to be in the, in League One next season, the way the way things are going, especially. So, so yeah. Um, well, let's have a look down through the squad then. Let's let's have a, a talk about you know how, how the squad's getting on. We'll go position by position rather than in terms of uh, squad number. So I've I've basically I've got the transfer marked uh, web page up here. Um, first off, I mean Magnus Norman. We can't really judge him yet, can we? He's only really played a couple of trophy games, so it's it's a difficult one, really. He's, he's the impression I got in the summer is that they were maybe looking at him potentially being the number one when he came in, but that injury has basically opened the door for Paul Farman to secure that number one place, and he's done so well. He's just not going to get the chance at the moment, is he? Well, yeah, I think um, unlike uh, Farman, Beach has worked with Norman before because Norman was at Rochdale, um, although my mate who's a Rochdale fan does not rate him in the slightest. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I mean yeah... Uh, so it's hard to sort of cast judgment on him, but Farman, on the other hand, I think has been fantastic. Yeah, I think he's excelled expectations. I think we always knew we were getting a decent keeper because you can see his clean sheet record, can't you, at, at Stevenage and the way he did at Lincoln as well, getting promoted into the league. We knew we were getting a good keeper. What I don't think we realise is how how important his kicking was going to be. We, we've mentioned it a few yeah. times, me and Dan especially in recent episodes, but those kicks, Dan, they make a massive difference to our game, don't they? Yeah, they're, uh, they're not a secret weapon, but they're, they're a bloody good weapon to have. And the, the way we play, our our wide men and even Alexandra, they sort of they're ready to go as soon as we turn the ball over. So if Farman does get the ball, he knows he can launch it, knowing at one of them, knowing that one of them's ready for it, with another one for the second ball and. We've used it several times, as as we've already said. And I think as well, it, it, it's a key thing as well is that when the ball's played back to him by a defender, when it, you know they've been put under pressure by an attacker, it doesn't matter how you play it to him, how quickly back you play it, how, what position you play it to him, he gets it up the pitch every time. He never scuffs it, he never sort of slices away, does he? He always gets a huge booming kick down the pitch with either mm. foot as well, and that makes a massive difference to the defence to know that they can play it a bit as well. They don't have to always, you know, go a bit direct. We can play it about a bit and then we know, all right, we're under pressure. Let's get back to the keeper and he'll just play it long. That makes a huge yeah. difference and takes a lot of pressure off the defence, I think. In terms of, I, let's say, sorry, go on, Mike. Well, I was just going to say, I have to say as well, I think seeing that Newport keeper score the other night, I think if Farman was playing in them conditions, he could have bagged himself a hat-trick. I, to be honest, he probably would have put it over the opposite stand the way he kicks it. <laughs> well, yeah. that's true, yeah. He put it out of play for uh, over the, the bar, I think. it was That was a hell of a mm. goal, that from the thing. Mm. Very reminiscent of Peter Keane. I think you'll remember that one, Dan. I think you were at that mm. game, weren't you? Where Peter yeah, Keane scored the drop kick. Very, very wet night, wasn't with, it? Well, big hole in the roof as well in the corner of the stand we'd put into back then, weren't we? So, uh, so yeah, um, in terms of... If you were going to give a mark out of 10 in terms of goalkeepers and that kind of thing... Eight or nine, really. I think he hasn't been put under pressure much, but that's probably to do with how well we defended, actually, as much as anything. So, but you could argue as well it's how well he organises the defence. Uh, you yeah. know, he's got that bit of experience, and well, you can uh, hear him on the iPhone, can't you? When the, the crowds yeah. are empty, and even it, even when the fans are back, we could hear him, couldn't we? Quite clearly. But, it, but it's something that Adam Collin was always pretty poor at, and uh, I think Farman is just brilliant all yeah. round. 
it's difficult to judge. We haven't really seen his shots stopping much yet, have we? So it's, it's a hard one to, to judge him on for that. Uh, in terms of the defence, uh, I think this is excelled expectations, really, hasn't it? I think I think we, we always thought we had some good attacking talent in there, but I think there was always a little bit of concern about defensively whether we, we, we will be up to it enough in terms of push us up. I think we've obviously got to pick out Reese Bennett, his arrival. Later on, obviously, it's coming, but... He's been 10 out of 10 so far, hasn't he? I can't really think of a, mm. a bad game he's had. And he's, I think what he's done is he's taken Hayden to the next level as well and made him excel his game. Mm. And and I, I kind of feel sorry for Hayden, to be honest, because he will not win man of the match if Rhys Bennett is playing next to him. Like, it doesn't matter how well he plays. Like, you know, Hayden will put in sort of an 8, 9 out of 10 every week. But, you know, that's just the kind of the standard that we expect from him and... You know, you don't really bat an eyelid when he puts in them sorts of performances. You feel a bit sorry for Rod McDonald as well, because he was doing pretty well. Mm. I mean, not as good as the levels Hayden was at, but he was just starting to settle into the team. And obviously he's back in the team now, but you'd imagine once Tanner's fit again, there's potentially going to be some decisions to be made for Beach there. I know, Dan, you're a big fan of Tanner especially, aren't you? He had a bit of a slow start, but I think he's been fantastic over the last few weeks, hasn't he? I yeah, mean, uh, the, over the sorry before he was getting injured those few weeks beforehand. That uh, that that Salford game, you could tell the the lad had a point to prove. You know, he was he was up and down that flank in front of the paddock, who were uh, vocal towards the opposition, <laughs> shall we say? And yeah. uh, he, you know, he, he was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch. And when when you look at you know there was there's a couple of ex uh, Man United academy in the Salford lineup and. Uh, He'll have, he'll have enjoyed that night's work, won't he? He will indeed, and I, I genuinely think he's. If you're going to pick out a player from our squad, he's going to. You would say definitely will play at a much higher level straight away. I'd pick him out because he's young as well, especially yeah. it helps, and he just the way he plays has been fantastic. And I mean, right back, once he's fit, he's pretty much got that place nailed down, hasn't he? You'd think, and yeah, yeah. we've got players who can slot in there like Riley and like Hayden, like Devine. And Armour obviously can go over there. Left back, we were a little bit concerned for a while, weren't we, about this position? We thought Anderton maybe he's not quite hitting the heights he did when he first arrived, but he was just starting to find a bit of form. And then obviously he's had to come out of the team, obviously with that coronavirus issue he had. Um, But Jack Armour's coming in at both fullback positions, but I think particularly when he's moved to left back, he's looked fantastic, and he looks another good young prospect, doesn't he? Yeah, he's. You've got to remember, he's, he's only 19, is he? Yeah, yeah. We've, obviously we've, we focus on Taylor Charters being a young lad, but he's, he's pretty much the same age, isn't he? He's, he's a big lad as well, Jack Armour, and we actually think he'll probably move more central in time because as full-backs go, you don't, you don't get many who are very tall, and I think once he sort of fills out a bit, you can see him stepping into the middle a bit more. Yeah, he looked a bit shaky in some of those early games, didn't he? But then that game against That's only Ma- natural to be fair, yeah, isn't you'd it? You'd expect that he's a young lad making his professional debut basically. But that, I think he really came into it in that game against Mansfield, didn't he? He put that brilliant ball into the box for, for Patrick to score the, the winning goal and like you said, he slotted in at right back. I, I still think he he still looked a little bit uncomfortable at times there, but that's to be expected, you know, a lad who's very naturally left footed. But at left back he showed he's more than capable of stepping into Anderton's boots when needed, so yeah, fantastic. I think in terms of sort of defence, I think I'd say nine out of ten. I think we've exceeded expectations there. And, you know, we've got star men across that back four, haven't we? Players who 
look capable of playing at a higher level again. So, of of, of yeah. all the teams we've played this season, is there any defenders at any other clubs that you'd think, oh, I'd want him in our back four? There's not many, is there? No, exactly. There's no one. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't have that lad Santos from uh, Bolton in the back line. <laughs> who, who I, I keep going on about him. He, I mean, Alex Baptiste wasn't great that day, but you know he's been a good player in the past. That Santos, my God, he, he genuinely could have given away four or five goals in that first half. He was that bad. Dreadful, dreadful player he was. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I genuinely don't can't think of any other League Two defenders that stand out to me and make me think. Maybe Ben Tozer at Cheltenham. I think he's always been a good good centre-back. But beyond him, yeah, there's no one really out there that made me think. Really wouldn't mind him there. Um, yeah, defensively, I think we'd be fantastic. Midfield, this is an area again... <laughs> We're going to keep saying this, but we're so strong in this area. And it, yeah. it, it as the season's developed on, we've realised how strong we are in that we sort of looked in pre-season, didn't we, and said, oh, you know, it's going to be great when Josh Dixon's fit and, you know, he's going to be a fantastic player to come in there. Well, you know, Taylor Charles has jumped ahead of him now, probably, and you feel sorry for that. I think Dixon's probably going to take a couple of years to develop, maybe because of the kind of player he is, and you might get more chances if we do get up until League One. He might be a better level for him. You look well, at it, we've got two two midfield choices here, a free. Obviously, we play a free in midfield. We've got two choices free, haven't we? Your first choice is probably Callum Guy, obviously. You'd put Mellish in there, and Joe Riley, I think, has pushed himself to be the first, in the first choice midfield. But then know, beyond we, that... We, we have an got, international with 60 caps sat on our bench. That tells you yeah, how mm-hmm. strong our midfield's yeah, been this season. Yeah. Your second choice midfield is probably going to be Dean Furman, um, Danny Devine, and Taylor Charters. Probably yeah. in there. Then, you, like I said, you've got Dixon's waiting to come in as well. It's fantastic, really, isn't it? We're spoiled, to be honest, aren't we? We're very spoiled for choice in there in terms of the way it's gone. I mean, we've, got, we've got to give special mention for Callum Guy. He has been absolutely terrific this season, hasn't yeah. he? He's, in the ways, he was. I think he was just starting to come into it when he got that injury, wasn't he? Back in, yeah, Jan- yeah. in January last year. Uh, it was a bit disappointing. And obviously, coronavirus happened, so it didn't really affect in terms of what happened with him. But the way he started this season, the way he's playing, again, he's one who's going to attract attention from a higher level, you'd think. And hopefully, I, I, can't, I can't see him going anyway, but hopefully we're going to keep a hold of him for the rest of this season. And if he went in, if a, you know, if a championship club came in for him in the summer, you wouldn't begrudge him that, would you? Because the way he's played, he's shown himself capable of playing at a much higher level. But I, I think, yeah. like I said, John Mellish, the way he's, he's, he's adapted to... Playing in midfield, you know, he's not he's not a perfect player in that position. Of course he's not. He's a bit of a rough diamond, but, you know, the way we play, he's so effective, isn't he, in terms of the way he affects games? Yeah, oh, definitely. You know, he, he just, I said the other week, imagine Mark and John Mellish for 90 minutes. Like, you'd come off the pitch knowing that you have had a game of football. Like, you'd be battered, you'd be bruised. You'd be bloody you know, you'd be, well. uh, Yeah, exactly, you'd be knackered because he does not stop running. I mean, that... FA Cup game, you know, and he got the two late goals. He did not stop running, like, at yeah. all. He's, he's just an absolute sort of bionic man. He's yeah. just and I, you know what? This little rest has probably done him just as good because there always mm. was a risk. I know we were talking about the fact that he was still going and going. With this run of games, he's always going to find it maybe a little bit tough. Well, he's going to come out with, his, with as big a rest as anybody, isn't he? When you think mm. about it, so yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be fantastic to see how he how he does, and like he said, now he knows as well. He's got Taylor Charters pushing him for that position. Hopefully, obviously, mm. we're getting probably a bit excited here because Charters only played one game, but it was one game where he looked like he'd been playing there for two or three years, hadn't he? Yeah. So there but you go. I I have to say as well, in general, I mean, there's a lot of players at League Two level 
and they've got certain limitations, which is why like you know that they're at League Two level. Like say mm. Alessandra, for example, he doesn't score a ton of goals, which is probably why he's playing in League Two. You know, whereas his other attributes are brilliant. But there's players like Guy and and Bennett and Tanner and uh, all this and that. I don't see their limitations. Like they yeah. should, they should not be in League Two. You know, yeah. we're, we're just very lucky to have these players and have them all at the same time in a squad that's that's pushing on. Gonna have to give a mention here to Joe Riley as well in terms of how well he's sort of kicked on as well. Because I think early on people looked at him for you know a little bit weak, a little bit. I mean, you compared him to James Barrett, which I thought was a disgraceful <laughs> way to to insult him. My one of my old favourites. Um, but he really has sort of stepped up and he, and he has got a hell of a lot of energy about him. But he's got quality as well. You can tell he's been yeah. coached at a really high level at, at Manchester United. But obviously that goal against Stevenage will have done him a lot of good too. But he now looks... he's a first, Him and Guy, probably your two first choices in that midfield. I know Mellish probably is as well. But them two, definitely, I think if they're fit and in form, they're going to play, aren't they? The, the, yeah. the way that they're playing. And that's the thing, what, he's had what, to earn that place as well. You know, yeah. he hasn't been given it. He's really had to earn it. And, he's and had he's to come out of the team for a bit, didn't he, as well, and came back in and yeah. shown himself good there. And I thought, mm. you're going to say something there, Dan? Uh, yeah, well, one one thing uh, that uh, I've noticed as well is how few games a lot of our midfielders had played prior to this season. You know, Joe Riley, definitely. Joe Riley and Danny Devine, definitely. Callum Guy hadn't played that many games. No. You know, John Mellish had only had, what, one season of pro football. The only experienced midfielder in there is Furman, and he's, he's better yeah, play yeah, for and us. He, yeah, <laughs> and he, he's, but Furman's a great option on the bench when you're 2-0 up away from home, 65, 70 minutes gone to close a game out, which is exactly what he did at Walsall when he came on, wasn't it? Yeah, and we always know there's, there's I always have this niggling feeling at the back of my head that Callum Guy is just one challenge away from picking up an injury and being out yeah, for a while yeah, yeah, so yeah. you always know it's good to know that you know that Furman is there waiting to come in when we need him so and I would also say as well Furman comes across as the model professional yeah, I'm not no saying complaints. the rest of the squad aren't of course you know but he, he comes across as you know he's there's just something about him you know he's, he's played the 60 odd games for South Africa He's, he's played at a decent level in this country. He came up through Chelsea and Rangers. He's, he's just, he's probably a great figure. Sort of, he's probably one of the, the older, he's obviously one of the older heads in the dressing room. Yeah. But for, for such young midfielders like we've got, what a great person to learn your craft from. Absolutely. And I, you imagine, like you said, your likes of your Dixons and your Charters are going are gonna to learn a lot, aren't they, from from him as well. And that, 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 that can only be a good thing. Um Yes, I think we're sort of in agreement. Midfield, I mean, you star men, are you, like I said, your guys, your Mellish and your Riley, your, your first choice. But beyond that, we've got players to come in. And we've barely touched on Danny Devine there. I think he's the one we probably all thought, oh, he's just you know, a squad player going to fit in. But when he came in, he was great. He, he played really well in those games. So and Another player we've not mentioned, because he sort of straddles midfield stroke forward line, is uh, Brennan Dickinson. I was going to touch on that. Yeah, It'll be inter- interesting to see where Beach eyes him in our team. He seems to think he's going to play in one of those front three positions, doesn't he? Potentially on the right, cutting in on his left and you know hitting it. But but he's going to have to earn his place in the team, isn't he? And it, it it's is, mad to think it. that you know he, he, I'd imagine he's probably close to being our best paid player, and we haven't even had a chance to use him barely yet this yeah, season. Yeah, so. but to to be honest, he's he's almost like a third January signing, isn't he? Because he's exactly. he's literally. Fourth January, you should say. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's he's literally played what 
few minutes at Walsall, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So, okay, let's get on to attack then before we round this bit up. Um, attack. <laughs> Probably not score as many as we would have hoped in terms of you know in terms of having a standout one who's scoring loads, but in terms of the way they've worked together, can't really have too many complaints, can we? In terms of how they've they've linked as a strike force, and players have come in and out of the team, haven't they? I think the only real consistent in there is Coyote and maybe Alessandro even potentially, but beyond that, we've had players dropping in and out, and they've performed really really well, and they're entertaining to watch, aren't they? One one thing one thing I've, I've said a few times is when Luis Alessandra has a decent game, Cal United have a decent game, yeah. and mm. the couple of games where he has had off games have sort of tied in with our poorer performances. Absolutely, and as you touched on there before, Mike, the fact that he doesn't get goals is probably the only reason he's not playing at Championship level because he's in terms of his all round game and the way he holds it up and the way he links play, he's a he's a brilliant player and a really really key part of this team. Focus a little bit on Coyote because he, he gets a little bit of criticism from some people. I think mean, we've done it in the past, sort of constructively, I should say, for the fact that he's probably not scoring as many goals. But his role's been a bit different, hasn't it, since he come back this last summer? I, I I think he's he's shown himself to be a real team player, hasn't he? And we we can't get away from not mentioning his throwing because it is a, a big part of the way we play as well, isn't it? He's, it's a, it's a really good weapon, but all round. I think he's become a much better player than he, the one that arrived back in January last year. Definitely. Yeah, well, sorry, you, you go, Mike. Well, I, I was just going to say, I think he's playing a slightly different role this year. I think he's playing a bit more back-to-goal, um, yeah. almost a bit sort of Carl Hawley-esque a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, whereas last season, I think he was more sort of a of a, an advanced forward. But it doesn't really get mentioned enough. He has one hell of a first touch on him. Like yeah. you can absolutely ping the ball at him two hundred miles an hour, and he'll he'll stop it dead. And, and you that's, know, a, that that's great as well in terms of farm and knocking the ball forward as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think as well, it you should consider with that as well. I think he's somewhere near the top in terms of the number of aerial duels won as well mm. in the league. He, he basically wins it in the air against the defender a lot, and he's he's not actually the biggest when you look at him. I think he's only about six foot two, maybe in terms. And you get big defenders who are six foot four, five these days, don't you? Mm. So. He does well to out jump, and I think the only game I can think of where he really got beasted by defenders was probably that game against Tranmere that you mentioned before, Dan, up against uh, Peter Clark and big uh, Manny Monte, and you know they're two big lads there, aren't they? Yeah, they're big, yeah, imposing they're, defenders. They'll have done the homework as well, won't they? Absolutely. Um, give me Torre. Well, sorry, sorry, sorry just, just, just quickly on Coyote. If we do go up. It'd be interesting to see what the lad wanted to do next season because yes, he's not our player, but Rotherham don't seem to have really bothered yet. And mm. you know, could he maybe say, "Well, I think I'd rather stay at Carlisle. I'm playing." Could do. It'd be interesting to see what he says. Um, it's whether we even make him maybe a permanent bid to sign him. I think Rotherham rating quite highly, so I don't think they'd be keen to let him go. But if Rotherham is still in the Championship, well, is he going to get that many games at that level at that age? Possibly not. It's a, it's a difficult one to judge, isn't it? Um, let's move on to a couple of more bits in terms of attack and then we'll move on again. Uh, Gimme Toure started off so brightly, didn't he? But he's, he's just found it a little bit tough, hasn't he, since he got that red card and not really been able to get back into the team because of, partly because of Mari Patrick has done so well in coming back into the, the squad, hasn't he? Mike, it's one of those ones, isn't it? It, it? it can't be easy. We've touched on this in a couple of recent episodes. It can't be easy for him as well being alone, living in Carlisle, with with the restrictions in terms of lockdowns and who you can see and stuff like that, 
Beach, I think, has probably played a bit of a master stroke in letting him go home to France and see his family and give himself a bit of a, a boost in terms of his confidence. Can we hopefully see maybe something a little bit better for him in the second half of the season? Maybe see him kick on again and show what the form that got people across fans of other League 2 clubs were talking excitedly about how good a player he was, weren't they? Well, that's the thing. I mean, at the start of the season, I mean, I remember, I think he set up that goal for Coyote in one of the early home games um, where he skinned about three or four players and then yeah. just laid it across to him. And I think that was the South End game when we were first in. Yes, yeah, yes, that's it was, the that one, was yeah. on, yeah. And he, like, at that point, I thought, right, well, that left wing spot is his. That's that's it. But Pat, fair play to Patrick because he's really worked hard and now that left wing spot is his, <laughs> you know, and um, he's he did well to sort of take that off him and uh, it would be nice if he, if he kicks on the second half of the season, but you know, game time isn't easy to come by when everyone else is playing so well. Yeah, I think the arrival of Zanzala might help him because I get the impression that those two maybe are uh, basically being encouraged to hang about with each other up here. That's the impression you got, Dan, I think it was from something you read. But it, it, it seems to be that those two are almost being paired off to make sure they've got someone to hang about with during all these lockdowns <laughs> and things like that. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, It's like, like the new boys at school when the rest of you have already been there for three years, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it'd be nice, hopefully, to help the two of them. And Zanzale yeah. and, and Scott as well, two other additions. And you look at our, like I said, you look at the, the, the six players we've got in attack, seven if you include Dickinson. They're all interchangeable. By looks of things, they can all play in different positions. I know Scott seems to be viewed as a number nine, but by all accounts, he can also he's played out wide and a bit deeper for Hebburn as well. So, one of those ones, isn't it? We've got so many options there. It just puts just us in uh, a good going position. back, uh, Zanzala's Congolese, isn't he? And I'm pretty sure French is the native language of Congo, which obviously yeah. give me two no ears. So yeah, that that might help. Yeah, hopefully it will. So hopefully. Um, those two lads will uh, link up quite well. Um, let's quickly have a quick look at the uh, the fixtures for the rest of the season, lads. I mean, there's going to be a lot of spells, aren't there, where there's going to be a lot of tough fixtures for us. Um, is there any that stand out to you, Dan, that, you know, spells where you think oh, it's going to be tough there? Well, I've got, a, I've got a, a list on my phone that I'm updating when these rearranged to come in. And we play a lot of the teams who are at the top in sort of the next tranche of games. Then once we get that run out from sort of late, well, Easter weekend onwards, we don't actually play many top teams. We've got mm. a hell of a brilliant running as the table stands at present. You know, Easter, we're, we're away to Southend, home to Scunthorpe, and then we're away to Barrow. We've got Port Vale at home, Bolton away, Harrogate home, Orient away and Walsall at home. Hmm. What's to be scared of in those eight games? I think you look at nothing. If you look at March as well, the games we've got then, take out the Morecambe game, and generally we beat Morecambe down at Morecambe anyway. (laughs) Touch wood there, that's tempting fate. But you look at you look at that month, and other than the game at the end of the month against Cambridge, there's some I wouldn't say easy fixtures, but they're fixtures we look and think we could build up a lot of points in that month potentially. Well, Obviously, we've got games I'm, to drop I'm, I'm in as well. I'm looking at three of them there. You've got you've got Grimsby and Bradford at home, followed by Stevenage away. Yeah. Straight away, you're thinking, well, there's there's seven points. Yeah, at least you'd hope. You know. Bradford's probably the tougher those because they seem to have picked up a bit of form. But but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those go. I, I like I said, I think I agree with you. I think the running, if we can get ourselves into a good position, that running looks 
favourable, I think, is the yeah, way to describe yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. At, at the same time, though, at that time of year, the teams that have been fighting relegation suddenly, you know, realised that they were in a relegation <laughs> fight and they come up with performances that, you know, you didn't see coming, as yeah. we have done many times ourselves. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? They're going to be fighting uh, to get away, and we'll see, we've seen how Southend have managed to turn around their form recently, particularly, and um, we'll, we'll touch on other clubs in a minute. Um, let's move on then quickly before we go on to look at the rest of League Two. Um, let's look at some stats. So, as I mentioned before, Fox Analytics FC on Twitter, uh, fantastic account. Give them a, a follow if you don't already. Uh, they've sent us over some stats specifically just for us to talk about on the programme. We'll tweet them out later. I think they're going to tweet them out, so we'll retweet them. Um, some of the key ones he picked out here. Callum Guy, uh, in terms of assists this season, he's got five, which leaves him fourth in the league. That's just league assists, I should point out. Um, this is an interesting one. Callum Guy, assists from set pieces per 90 minutes. The value is 0.14, so that's so about every 10 games he assists from a set piece. He's number one in terms of assists from set pieces in the league, which shows mm. how important his, his corners have been. It's one of those things that the one thing we could probably improve on second half of the season actually is direct free kicks. But hopefully Dickinson will make the difference there because I know he's taken them in the past, hasn't he, for Colchester and the likes of that. Um, headed goals. Aaron Hayden has got three this season. He's joint first in the league. So he shows the big impact he has in terms of headed goals. Um, Reese Bennett can't be far behind him. Well, he wouldn't be far well, behind Bennett him. scores with his feet. That's the thing. Yeah, he's got or a couple of feet, hasn't he? Yeah. Through, yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's been uh, sniffing in there. Um, Amari Patrick, shots per 90 minutes, 3.72. He's first in the league in terms of the number of shots again. I think about <laughs> the, the majority of those are probably coming that game against Bradford when he had about eight or nine, didn't he? <laughs> he was just determined to score against them and didn't he in the end, sadly. But there you go. Uh, crossing accuracy, uh, George Tanner. He's on 42%. That puts him third in the league. Uh, Amari Patrick, uh, opposition touches, touches in the opposition box per 90 minutes. He gets 4.27, which puts him sixth. Aaron Hayden, interceptions per 90 minutes, 7.45. That puts him third. Coyote, we mentioned this before, aerial duels per 90 minutes, 19.42. <laughs> so he certainly gets about in terms of putting his head about. He's fourth in the league for that. Uh, Aaron Hayden, aerial duel success, uh, rate in own penalty area 74% that's fifth so basically of all the I think of the crosses that go into the box three out of four of them Aaron Hayden wins which is the one that he goes for that's quite impressive and just a few more little stats here um, these sort of general ones so in terms of shots uh, we've had 335 which is puts us first in the league touches in the opposition box we've had 452 which puts us second and shots we've faced 147 which again puts us first. So all the stats look pretty impressive in our favour, don't they? That's pretty good going. And yeah, I'm always a bit funny with expected goals and stuff like that because expected goals for me still is based on an opinion of when you would expect a goal. But the stats, all those stats there, they can all sort of be looked at, can't they? You can work them out and fair play. We, we, we are flying high in so many of them. Um, um- at, at the end of the day, it's the manager's job to set up the team in a way that the opposition don't create so many chances and we create chances. That's the manager's job. And it's the player's job to make sure that, you know, we put away our chances and they don't put away their chances. And, you know, it's it's just really working. Absolutely. Okay, I think we've covered all the CFC-related stuff there, so we're going to take a quick break now. Uh, we're an hour in. I'm taking our first break. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we're... Uh, 
after the break, we're going to take a look at the rest of the league too and see how they've been getting on over the last five months. <laughs> Okay, everyone, we're back for part two of this special sort of half-season review episode. Um, so we're going to start looking at what the rest of League Two have been going up to over those five months. And first up, Dan, you're going to have to take a look at, this is not sort of looking back, but this is looking at some of the transfer business that League Two clubs have been doing in January, picking out some of the key ones that have stood out to us. Yeah, uh, it's probably best to start locally. I would <laughs> say Barrow have... Uh, Busy, the biggest, the biggest, You know, they've... Uh, They've signed Jamie Devitt. Uh, Neil Eardley was a good signing on loan. Stood out to me that one, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think he got man of the match for them uh, at the weekend. Mm. Uh, they're obviously going for the experienced route to just staying in the division will be their number one priority. They're, they're actually, just looking through my list here, there hasn't been that many transfers I think we'll see a massive ramping up in the next sort of week to 10 days yeah. before the window shuts. But clubs that have signed a couple, uh, Bolton seem to have a never-ending <laughs> in and out. They've had four come in. Declan John from Swansea was an interesting one. Because yeah, is he, quite he, he was well a Rangers a couple of years ago. Yeah. And he's, it just didn't really happen for him up there. And he's gone to Swansea and it's not really happened there. I think Kieran, Kieran Lee, Kieran yeah, Lee that, that yeah. stood out as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Harrogate have been very busy. They've they've got five in at least, several on loan. Uh, Bradford are similar. Uh, Newport have had a big turnaround. They had uh, they lost most of their their loanees, but they seem to be getting other loanees in. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how they do because they're they you know it's it's a big turnover for a high flying team and. Will it upset their equilibrium? There's a good word yeah. for you. Yeah. The one that stands out for me from their from their signings, I mean, losing Scott Twine particularly is a big blow for them because yeah. he's been yeah. fantastic for them and is basically slotted in at Swindon at League One level like he, he'd been playing there all season. The one that stands out for me for them arriving, Luke Gambin. That's a good signing because I'm sure he's been about there, hasn't he? And he's a, been at Colchester for a while, possibly, I seem to remember. But he seems to have been a good player in the past, I'm sure. That's yeah, an interesting but, one. Uh, no. Apart from that, it's most teams have uh, just picked picked up uh, the odd player here and there. Mm. Uh, Our friend Harry's left uh, Port Vale, hasn't he? I think he's been released. Yeah, free free, free agent now. Yeah, but... there you go. Um, yeah, it's interesting one. Interesting. Sol- Salford, Salford have been quiet. They've They've taken Robbie Gott some leads on loan. He's well thought of there, isn't he? I, think they really I would expect Salford to sign a couple at least this well, next week. Well, funny enough, Dan, you might have missed this one, but this morning, so. um, Salford City have actually signed uh, Paul Coots from Fleetwood Town. So there's another there one in for them. So, I mean, that, I mean, he's a player who's played most of his time at Championship level, hasn't he? So, I mean... They'll have, it, they'll have broke the bank to sign him. You know, this Coots <laughs> bank. But no, that's shocking. That's shocking. <laughs> we managed to get through an hour of this episode without you telling a crap joke, and there you go, you got one. But yeah, I think you're right, Danny. It, it, it's interesting. The teams that are struggling seem to be the ones, other than maybe Newport, who've had no choice because they've lost all the loan players. It seems to be the teams that are struggling that are basically panicking and getting a lot of players in, aren't they, to try and get themselves away from uh, from bother. 
Uh, in terms of us, I mean, I know we've signed four, but the most important thing for us is we haven't lost players. If we? We're, mm. we're keeping hold of our squad, and I think that's the thing we've always looked at and thought, as long as we don't lose big players, and we haven't with Bennett, thankfully, then you know we're in a decent position. Um, are we surprised, then? If we're looking, let's look at Lee 2 generally. Are we surprised how things have panned out so far? Who do you think's done a bit better than expected, and who's probably done worse than you, you thought they would have done? Dan, do you uh, want to start with this one? I would say Morecambe are probably a bit of a surprise package. Absolutely. I think Derek Adams done a brilliant job there, but hasn't he? But they've got a good manager, haven't they? So, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Uh, Cambridge flying so high. Yeah. You know, think... the top at the moment. Well, when I listened back to the preview episode we did, we did sort of all say that we felt Cambridge were going to be solid, not in trouble, but probably not enough to challenge for the yeah. top. I don't think we could have anticipated how well Paul Mullen did there as well, though. That's that's one thing. So I, I would I would suggest that Exeter and Tranmere have been a bit inconsistent. We'd have maybe expected yeah. them to be a little bit higher. Uh, the main ones, obviously, Bolton and Bradford, I would say. Yeah, Bolton and uh, Bradford. Bolton. Port Vale, maybe? Yeah, yeah. We, we all predicted them to be Vale. Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah, I was, I was going to say as well, well, I think in the preseason episode, if I do recall, I think Dan had Harrogate down as as his dark horses. Uh, no, he didn't. It was me. Uh, I did not. Okay, <laughs> it was me Harrogate and dark horses. So, so Harrogate. It's uh, all right. I, I had Bradford down as mine. So yeah, yeah. who were mine? I can't remember. Walsall, you had Dan. Well, uh, twelve, not too bad. Yeah, yeah so not not, yeah. not as not as bad but, as the rest of us. Uh, better, better than you two, think, anyway. <laughs> I, I don't think any of us saw Newport been so good, but while they're second now, I think they're going to drop like a stone. To be honest with you, yeah, I think I think we all sort of felt that Newport might find it a little bit tougher this season because they've had such a big sort of turnaround in terms of players leaving and things like that, but. Yeah, I think it's fair to say they've helped perform what, what we all thought they would. I think Orion have probably done a little bit better than we thought. We didn't think there was a massive amount of activity there, but fair play, you know, that they're, they're right up there too. And and yeah, I, I think you've picked the right ones out there in terms of the ones who we thought would struggle. I think the ones that we thought would really struggle have basically been who who has struggled, haven't they? When we, we all mm. picked out... You know, we well, we all picked out Southend and Scunthorpe and Stevenage to be down there. I think we all thought Barrow might do a little bit better <laughs> than they have done. I think. Um, just, just a word on Southend. They've Southend have given the others something to worry about in the last few weeks. Absolutely, they? absolutely. Mm. The way they've turned since they had their transfer embargo lifted, they've they've brought a couple of players in, haven't they? And not not yeah, made yeah. a massive amount of work, but they've they've certainly. I mean, I think you can understand now why they brought in the managers they did because. He's clearly a decent manager who's done a good job once he's been given a little bit more to work with. So, you know, fair play to him in terms of that. Uh, I think Crawley's maybe one that's a bit surprising because, I mean, I ended up putting them as one of my teams to go down because you convinced me to, Dan, even though you didn't actually. <laughs> so, basically, I'll go through who we thought were going to be relegated. So, Dan, you thought Scunthorpe and Southend. Well, <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. You've got 21st and 24th right now. So, that's pretty decent bad. effort. I went for Crawley and Southend, so I've got 9th and uh, 24th, so not as good. Mike, you went for Stevenage and Harrogate, so you've got 22nd mm. and 18th, so mm. not too bad. Out of the lot of us, I've gone for the worst there, all thanks to Dan conning me into going for Crawley. <laughs> um, in terms of the, the top three, not, we all went for exactly the same top three. We all went for Sulphur to win uh, the title and Bolton and Portville to be promoted. Well... Salford are just about pushing themselves up there now, but they're taking a while to get there. Um, 
Bolton and Paul Vela both sneaking in at the moment. Yeah, Bolton and Paul Vela both in the bottom half, so not not great at all. Um, though I should point out, Dan, you did say that it wouldn't be a big surprise if Bolton didn't click. You you said you yeah yeah yeah. So I, I'll give you that. I one. just thought it was that big a job that it may take them a year yeah. and a hell of a lot of players through it to to get settled, and that, that's that's probably why. One, Everett's got a three-year deal, and two, there's been no murmurs of getting rid of him because I think their fans probably get that it will take a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the playoffs, uh, we Dan, you felt Tranmere, Forest Green, Walsall and us. Um, we all picked Kyle on the playoffs, I should say that straight away. So well, that, that, that's a given. So Tranmere, Forest Green and Walsall, the other teams, you thought Forest Green would win it. Well, Forest Green are in there, uh, but other than that, obviously you've got Salford, Cheltenham and Lane Orient. Um, I went for Tranmere, Walsall and Bradford. So um, I've got <laughs> I've got uh, 11th, 12th and 19th so far. So I'm not doing <laughs> particularly well here, it's fair to say. Mike, you thought Bradford would not only be in it, but they'd win it. <laughs> and you also had Tramir and Exeter, so you haven't got anyone else in there. And obviously, as we all know, Carla outperforming everybody's expectations so far. Um, we also predicted top scorers. Um, this is the only one where I'm doing well compared against the rest of you. So, Dan, you went for Ian Henderson, and I'm scrolling down through the League Two top scorers on the BBC Football website here. And he's 20th. John Mellish is ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> he's got more goals than him. He's got uh, seven compared to... Uh, to be fair, Henderson I think six. he's played a little bit deeper than we expected, hasn't he? Possibly, yeah. But Ashley Hunter's That's got as many goals. That's my excuse anyway. There you go. <laughs> um, Mike, he went for James Wilson. Uh, and I'm scrolling down through it here. Um, nope, can't see his name anywhere in the top 20. <laughs> so, well done on that one. I went for James Vaughan. And James Vaughan is in fourth place on 11 goals. Um, don't think any of us expected who the top three would be, did we? So... On 18 goals, you've got Paul Mullen. <laughs> I think he's always been a good goal scorer, though, to be fair. It's just clicked for him this season. Uh, Danny Johnson from Leighton Orient, he's on 14 in second place. Third place, he's not in the League Two anymore. He's Max Waters. He's left Crawley after his 13 goals there to go to Cardiff. It's one of those moves, isn't it? I, I, I just have this feeling he's going to go to Cardiff and just be not good enough. They've signed him based on one streak of goals, haven't they, really? And mm. prior to that, he's never done anything before, so... Be interesting to see how he gets on there. So, so yeah, in terms of those predictions, not particularly great. In terms of our Cal United predictions, um, <laughs> none of us got anywhere close on top goal scorer, did we? So, Mario Patrick, you went for Dan, and me and you, Mike, went for Coyote. Um, I think Patrick's second top scorer now, maybe, or he's close as Alessandra, maybe. Not 100% on that one. Um, and in terms of play of the season so far, you went for Gimme Tory, Mike, so mm. probably not. <laughs> I went for a Mary Patrick. He's you know, getting up there, challenging. Dan, you've probably got the closest. You went for George Tanner. Um, I think he's probably not far behind Callum Guy and maybe Hayden or Bennett so far this season, I would argue. First managed to be sacked. None of us got these either. So you went for Cox at Scunny. Uh, Dan, I went for Cooper at Forest Green and you went for Revel at Stevenage. I think, was it Graham Coughlin was the first who was sacked? Or was it... Or was it Graham Alexander? One of the two, wasn't it? I think. They I think were it was quite close. Salford, wasn't it? Yeah. I think maybe you're right. I think it was Alexander at Salford. Coughlin wasn't far yeah. behind that. So, we, you know, neither of us thought he was going to be the first one to be sacked. So, so there you go. So that's how we've done in terms of our predictions. Um, not particularly great so far. And I don't think they're going to improve second half of the season. 
if you were going to revise things, what would you revise? So Dan, do you want to go first in terms of who you think would be your top three now, maybe in your playoff winner? Let's rather than the, the whole playoffs. Uh, I'm going to say Carlisle, Salford, and Newport will just hang on, I think. Okay, okay. And Mike? playoffs. Oh, so go on. Sorry, playoffs. playoffs. I'm going to say Leighton Orient as an outsider. Oh, there you go. Mike, who you can go for? Uh, so I'm going to go top three. Carlisle, Cambridge and and I reckon Forest Green will stick it out. And I reckon the playoff team will be Mansfield. Ooh, that's a good shout, that. That's yeah. not a bad shout at all, that. Uh, top top three, uh, Carl Allen going with the title. I don't care what anyone says. Putting my money on the table now. Um, I think I agree with you. I think Salford will get into there. I think they're just finding the right level of form. Yeah, Forest Green. I think Forest Green will get in there. I think they've just got a little bit more. I think they're taking a little bit of time to settle after losing a couple of key players, but... I think they've probably got enough to be in that top three. In terms of the playoffs, I'm going to go Morecambe. I think Morecambe might sneak in there. I think Adams is doing a good job there. Um, is there anyone you think is going to drop off massively? I think Cheltenham is the one that stands out to me. They've not won in the last five games and really struggling about aren't they? They'd look like they were top three contenders, but they've dropped right off. But like, Crawley, I, I, like Crawley also are still in the cup and have got fixtures building up. So they, I know they're just outside the playoffs, mm. but they could uh, dip down from that. Obviously, losing Waters as well will make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. Well, like I sort of said earlier, I think Newport definitely will. But I think as well that I mean they always get a load of sort of fixtures built up and uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I think playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday on that heavy pitch there when your players are knackered, it's just. A recipe for disaster for them, so I really think that I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even make the playoffs. Ooh, that's a bold shout, that one. Yeah, and anyone you think is going to make a, a big surge up the table at the last minute and surprise people? I mean, I think you've we you know what yours is, Mike, based on your playoff prediction, and I mm. think I'd agree with you. I think Mansfield Town are the team that stand out. I think Clough's doing a terrific job there, and I think you'd argue that if you're looking in terms of a manager who's done things before and, and can still do it now. Clough's probably the best manager in our division, arguably. I think everyone thought Holloway might be, but I think Clough's a better manager in terms of where he can get all of low resources. I mean, who do you think, Dan, anyone you think is going to push up? <sighs> you look at the likes of Exeter and Tranmere, and it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if uh, one of those two sort of made a bit of a push. But uh, it's it's quite a tight division, isn't it? You know, mm. you could you could make a case down to 14th, which is Mansfield, you know, uh, I mean, Port Vale I mean, is still on the same number of points as them, and Oldham not far down. I don't so. like Port Vale, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, Man's, Mansfield are only seven points behind, and most teams have still got half a season left. You know, there's there is always one comes up, and uh, it wouldn't be a surprise if it was a a Mansfield or a, a Tranmere. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, so I think we're going for Mansfield Tranmere. I think we sort of both agree, all agree that. Mansfield are the team to watch out for the second half of the season, especially with the, the current form that they're in. Um, I think that pretty much covers it, doesn't it, in terms of um, how we expect League 2 to pan out, lads. Um, I, I think it's just the key for us is basically just get get these games played and start getting the points on the board. And if we do, well, we're, we're going to start pulling a gap away from teams, aren't we? So, mm. I mean, Cambridge are top at the moment, but they've played more games than everyone else, so... That, that's where they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're looking at it that well, we've got the points on the board and that'll be the key thing for them but 
they're going to have periods where they're going to watch teams start to pull away from them, I think. So, so yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, before we finish up, uh, time for the X-Files section. And, Dan, as usual, you're going to pick up this bit, aren't you? I think there's a, a few to pick up this week, not a massive amount. Yeah, I'm just uh, scrolling up through our chat where we keep all of this. Uh, goals on the weekend. Uh, Charlie Wyke hits a hat-trick. That's 13 in 24 in all competitions and 10 in 18 in the league. He's, uh, he's really, really coming on for Sunderland this season. Uh, it's interesting Dempsey... though, Wyke. Well, I was just going to say, because a lot of the Sunderland fans have been absolutely battering him. And I'm half thinking if behind closed doors without the fans on his back is why he's Possibly. playing so well for Possibly. them. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kyle Dempsey scored again. Uh, Hallam Hope scored for Swindon. He hasn't got too many down there. Uh, James Chester got a red card for Stoke. Uh, I'm getting used to saying this one. Uh, Yates scored for Blackpool. It's always Yates or Medina both at the moment. And uh, Nathaniel Knight-Percival scored, but unfortunately it was in his own net. So uh, he won't have been... And then when it came to midweek, there was a couple more goals. Jack Iredale scored a lovely goal for Cambridge. Brilliant goal, wasn't he? Worth worth looking up on. uh, Do you know with Iredale? It's interesting. I I listened back to the previous episode. We, I think we all picked out that we felt he'd actually do all right at Cambridge, and and because he started to find some form for us, and and fair play to him, he's done well there. Yeah, Uh, Max Aimer scored again, and. Richie Bennett scored again for Stockport. And yeah. one other interesting little piece of news, uh, Richard Keogh, not only has he got a move back to the championship with Huddersfield, but he's uh, also won an appeal over his sacking by Derby to the tune of £2 million. And uh, Derby are struggling a little bit financially at the moment, mm. so... But I believe he'll be classed as a football creditor, so he will get his money eventually, one way or the other. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think that pretty much runs up the X Files stuff. So uh, before we uh, finish up here, um, quickly, this is the bit I'll say. I put this right at the end to make sure everybody listens, because <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want them just listening to the first bit just to take part in this. So we've got another competition. Um, so you might remember at the start of the season we had a, a competition to give away one of the Walling Bucket Hats well we've got another prize now to give away thanks to our friends at footballbubbles.com uh, they followed up on the Bucket Hat by releasing a bobble hat version of the 94-95 season home kit colours um, it's a fantastic hat I think both me and you have bought one Dad, haven't we and it's yeah, but yeah, lo- yeah. lovely snug fit lovely lovely warm it'll keep your head warm during these next a couple of months when the weather's not particularly great. I mean, with any luck, I mean, it's probably not likely, but hopefully you'll get to wear one at Brunton Park soon. Um, so uh, basically, to, what we're going to do, we're going to give one of those hats away. They've given one of us, uh, one of them to us as a prize, which is very kind of them. Uh, we've also got four runner-up prizes, which is one of the 94-95 season pin batches that the Cali United Sports Group put together. Um, on top of that, we'll also uh, give one of those badges away to the, whoever wins the hat. Uh, so to be in with a chance of winning, you've just got to answer this very easy question. And I'm thinking now what I should have done. I should have put Dean Walling as one of the um, one of the ones in the quiz earlier to give away the answer, shouldn't I really? But there you go. Um, so here we go. So here's your question. In October 1997, after 296 appearances and 29 goals for the club, Dean Walling was sold by United owner Michael Knighton, much to the anger of the Blue Army faithful. But to which club did Knighton sell Dino? So I want to know which club Michael Knighton sold Dean Walling to when he left Brunton Park in 1997. 
Really easy one. Nothing to stop you going Google and finding out who it is. What, what, what are you going to do is get your answers into us. Either you do it by email, you can tweet us, or you can basically we'll put a post up for this episode on the Be Just and Fair Not Facebook group. And if you comment on that with competition answer and whatever club it is that he may have uh, joined, um, and basically you'll be entered into the draw and they will run the competition until the 31st of January. And then uh, the first episode we do after that, we'll, uh, we'll announce who the winner is. Um Thanks again, lads, for joining me. It's been another long one, hasn't it? But, you know, we've got, got plenty fitted in there and uh, covered. So um, we actually have got a special coming out soon, haven't we, Dan? We're gonna, we, we finally recorded the kit one, taken us long enough. And I've actually, believe it or not, started editing the 0506 special I did with Mike months ago. It's been sitting there waiting to be done. So we've got a couple of specials coming up and we're going to do some more as well. Also, as well, now that uh, the rearranged fixtures are coming out, we will be... Uh, working out to sort of a schedule for recording episodes because if we're playing Tuesday, Saturday every week, it is going to be hard for us to do it twice a week. Yeah, it was difficult to fit in, wasn't it? Yeah, what, time, what we'll so. probably do is maybe do one on a Monday for the, the Tuesday and the Saturday and then the following Monday we can review review them two games and look forward to the next two, etc. Yeah, but we'll see how we it's, do it. it's certainly going to be a busy period over the next couple of months. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh so yeah, uh, if you've got any comments or feedback and anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, as usual, contact us on Twitter at Bruntabugle or by email to Bruntabugle at gmail.com. I've seen we got an email in with a suggestion for a special episode uh, this morning, so we're going to have to take a look at that and see if we can do anything with it. Um, yeah, uh, you know, if you haven't already, I think most people have now, but if you haven't, remember you can subscribe to the podcast uh, through all good podcast apps, so whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Acast, anything like that, get yourselves a subscribe and it comes straight into your little inbox for podcasts oh that's that's one thing we've uh, missed out there we yeah. were actually we won't name who just yet but we are in the process of organizing our first player interview episode with a current player with a current member of the squad mm-hmm. uh we're just uh, trying to sort out a suitable time to record yeah but uh keep an eye out for that in the next couple of weeks hopefully yeah, excellent stuff. Um, so yeah, as we said before as well, if you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts, that'd be fantastic too. Um, the world map of listeners, and I've just checked it now, lads. There's a new country in the game again. Oh, here we go. Is it right? Congo? No, it's not. <laughs> wrong continent, wrong continent. Go across the uh, Atlantic. South America? Oh, no. North America? Mm, sort of. Central? Central, yes, it is. Mexico? We've got a listener in Mexico. <laughs> Unbelievable. So there Is it you go. Santiago Munoz? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> there we go. Um, yes, so, uh, yes, so Mexico is our, a new country added to the thing. Kenya's on there. Where, We've had Kenya before. Where, 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 whereabouts in Mexico? Let me have a look. I'm going to presume it's in Mexico City, you'd think. It's, it's in Cuidad, Victoria. I have no idea where that is. Cuidad, Victoria. So it's it's not too far over the board from the USA, but there you go. Um, so yeah, there we have it. We're finally finished. It's been a, been another long one, hasn't it? Uh, over eighty minutes. So, uh, guys, thanks once again for joining me. Really do appreciate it. Um, like I said, we'll be back. I think early next week we'll do a little preview episode, maybe of the uh, the Newport game. Won't be a major one, I don't think. Um, but we'll we'll try and fit a well, short one. I would say we'll probably be able to do Newport and Exeter in in one, won't we? Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. We'll try and preview both episodes yeah. in, in one go. That'll be the best way to fit it. Um, 
Mike, Dan, thanks once again for joining me. Uh, no really appreciate it. Uh, thanks Cheers. everyone for listening and uh, up the blues. Up the blues. All are united between the sun.